Good morning. The meeting will come to order. This is the January 22nd, 2023 Rules Committee meeting. I'm Supervisor Hillary Ronan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Committee Vice Chair Supervisor Walton and will soon be joined by Supervisor Safai. Our clerk is Victor Young, and I'd like to thank Corwin Cooley at SFGovTV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes. Public comment will be taken on each item on the agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak on your right. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment by email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and included as part of the file. You may also send written comment by U.S. mail to our office at City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlit Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. Documents to be included as part of the file should be submitted to the clerk. Items acted upon today will appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda of January 30th, 2024, unless otherwise noted. Thank you. Can you please call item number one? Yes, item number one is a motion approving rejecting the mayor's appointment of Greg Wagner as the controller for the city and county of San Francisco for a 10-year term pursuant to Charter Section 3.105. Uh, there is a request that this matter be sent out as a committee report. Thank you so much. Um, and before we hear from Mr. Wagner, I just wanted to start out by saying that uh, when we got notice that our extraordinary controller, Ben Rosenfeld, um, is going to leave his post in February, my heart sunk to the ground. And I've never really, honestly, haven't been more worried for San Francisco. Um, because Ben, you really have uh, kept us going, um, have maintained the trust of everyone that I know. I, I don't know a single person who does not respect and trust you, um, and really are often the adult in the room, figuring out how to solve problems with no political agendas underlying uh, your judgment, but just the best interest of the city and the people of San Francisco. And so I thought, how are we going to survive without you? And the pit in my stomach remained until <laughs> the mayor brilliantly <laughs> uh, chose to nominate Greg Wagner. And I breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> because um, in, you know, I've been working with you, uh, Mr. Wagner, since I started as a legislative aide uh, for the past 14 years in the city. At the time, you were budget director, at, working for uh, then-Mayor, now Governor Gav Gavin Newsom. And uh, when I started this job, you know, it was during an era, I guess that hasn't changed, but there was a lot of... Um, you know, friction between the board and and Mayor Newsom at the time. And I just remember being sort of in a battle position, you know, towards everything. I was also brand new, um, young, a lot younger, and, um, uh, you know, came from the world of being an activist. And so I was kind of, you know, addressing my job this way. And so I expected to be sort of in battle with you during the budget process. 
And it was totally the opposite. <laughs> you were just the biggest pleasure to work with. You were so knowledgeable about everything. You never played games. You were straight and honest and brilliant and helpful. And when you then moved to the Department of Public Health, a department that I work with probably more than any other department in the city, um, you just continued to come up uh, very similarly to uh, Controller Rosenfeld with just the good ideas to solve the problems, uh, really for the people. So I just could not be more excited about your nomination. I want to thank Mayor Breed uh, for this perfect choice as far as I'm concerned and um, just say that uh, I now have faith that our city will continue uh, to be in good hands um, because you're willing uh, to take this leadership position and I have no doubt will, uh, which will be approved by the Board of Supervisors. So with that, unless you want to make any opening statements, please, Mr. Wagner, join us. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Chair Ronan, uh, Supervisor Walton. I uh, really appreciate uh, those, those comments, um, uh, so thank you. Um, I really am deeply honored to be nominated for this position and, and considered by this board uh, for approval. Um, it is an uh, inspiring and unique opportunity for me to serve the city that I love, the city I live in, and where uh, we are uh, raising a family. Um, and I, I will give everything I have uh, to the position if I'm approved uh, by the board. Um, I've spent the last uh, 17 years working in uh, financial management and uh, other efforts to improve public services in San Francisco. As you said, Chair Ronan, uh, formerly as the, the mayor's budget director, and then for the last 12 years as the chief financial officer and chief operating officer at the, the Department of Public Health, the city's largest department. And so I, I hope and believe that work has uh, prepared me uh, for this position. Um, Controller has a number of roles, obviously, as the chief financial officer and auditor uh, for the uh, city and county. Uh, the, the discharge of those duties in a competent and effective manner is a cornerstone of an effective government, um, and, and so that is critically important. But the office is also a, a voice for integrity, ethics, accountability, uh, and a steward of the city's long-term interests. Um, it is a, uh, a voice for the use of data and information to apply to decision-making about our, our critical uh, public policy and operational issues, and it's, of course, a partner to uh, leaders throughout the city government. Um, like many other cities across the country, we're facing a, a challenging financial and economic moment, um, and uh, it's, it's true that there are probably some difficult decisions and times ahead, but I am truly optimistic about the future of San Francisco, and I'm optimistic about our collective ability to uh, work together and solve these problems. Um, like um, all of you, uh, I've been around through previous challenges. That includes the, the years of the Great Recession, that includes the late 20-teens when we had a, a federal administration that attempted to financially dismantle our social safety net through the turmoil of the COVID uh, pandemic financially and in many other ways. Um, and uh, those, those were challenging times, but I really took from that experience uh, that the path 
to uh, resolving those issues is to have uh, all of the stakeholders in the city working together. Mayor's office, Board of Supervisors, the community, our department heads, our advocates, our business community. Uh, and that's not always easy, but we keep our North Star on, or our eye on the North Star of providing the best and most efficient uh, services to the public. Uh, and that is my uh, cause for optimism. I, I do believe in the value of honesty and respect in every conversation, especially the hard ones. Um, and if I have the honor of being confirmed for this position, I'll do everything uh, I can to take those uh, experiences and values into my work. I'm definitely eager to get to work with the team in the controller's office on a number of things. Uh, among those, uh, using the, uh, the teams in the controller's office to leverage their data an analytics and operational expertise to tackle some of the, the big problems and big issues facing our city, homelessness and behavioral health, public safety, uh, improving the, the experience on our streets, among others. Um, we're also in a moment of economic transition. I'm very eager to jump into that conversation and work on uh, data-driven strategies and options to present to policymakers uh, for how we can uh, navigate this change into the, the next phase of, of our city's economy. Um, we also need to continue the work, and I'm anxious to con uh, continue the work, of making an inte integrity and ethics the guiding light throughout our, our city government, and I take that role very seriously. I've had the privilege of working with two great controllers, uh, uh, Ben Rosenfield and before him, uh, Ed Harrington. I've learned a lot by watching them do the job. Uh, they both approached it in different ways uh, to a certain extent, uh, but I think that there was a, a core common denominator, uh, which was competence, integrity, independence, accountability, and focusing on using data to improve government services. Um, so if I'm confirmed by the board, I will take those lessons with me uh, into the job. Um, so I'm eager to get to work and to work with the absolutely remarkable uh, team in the controller's office. It truly is a, a, a special a group of public servants. Um, I'd also like to just uh, thank my colleagues at Public Health uh, who have supported me uh, through this process and, and over the years. And with that, I will uh, stop talking, and I'm happy to uh, hear thoughts uh, from the board uh, members here and answer any questions that you might have. Uh, thank you very much for the honor of being considered for this position. Thank you so much. Uh, Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Chair Ronan, and thank you so much, Mr. Wagner, for being willing to step up and actually move in a different direction. I know you already have a good job, and so uh, taking a leap uh, to another role uh, is something that uh, I see as a positive. I do have a couple of questions, and I know we had a chance to check in, so I don't have many, but one thing I did want to hear just on record, because we know the role of controller is independent, but the appointment is not, uh, and so just wanted to know how you would deal with something if your job entails a decision that is contrary to the pointing authority? Thank you very much, uh, Supervisor Walton. Uh, very good question. Um, it's true that the controller's uh, position is appointed by the mayor, uh, confirmed by the board, and then serves for uh, a term of 10 years. Um, and independence is, is critical uh, in the, the nature of the work. Um, there are a lot of things I could say uh, in answer to that question, I think that the, the most uh, 
important point, though, is it comes back to rooting your decision-making and your conduct in the office in the, the city charter, what the city charter uh, defines the role to be, and the uh, ordinances and the admin code and otherwise that uh, describe the discharge of those duties. And so reading uh, the charter, which I have uh, been uh, rereading, re uh, particularly those uh, sections related to the um, office of the controller, it's clear to me that there are roles where the controller must independently make decisions, for example, when there is a uh, overspending projected in one of the city's accounts, the controller's office must step in. Uh, but it's also clear to me that independence means uh, you're independent, but it does not mean that you are isolated and the, the charter requires the controller's office to have an ongoing relationship and conversation with both the mayor's office, the board of supervisors, or other elected officials and city departments. And so I would take that uh, uh, role seriously and use the, um, use the language in the charter and the re responsibilities outlined in the charter as my guide for uh, navigating those decisions. Thank you, and then just curious, what would be your focus on improving the ability for nonprofits to be successful, but also make sure that they are in compliance with contracts and, of course, making sure that their work benefits the city uh, in a manner to where they can do their job and, 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 and execute contracts, but also make sure that the city uh, is able to be on top of the work. Uh, thank you. That is a question that is uh, close to my heart, uh, coming from uh, public health, uh, which has um, both depends on uh, uh, contracts with our uh, private organizations to deliver our services, but also where I've heard a lot of the frustration uh, and challenges of working with the city uh, from our, our partners in the, um, the nonprofit sector. Um, there is a process that has started uh, to show some tangible gains uh, that's led by the controller's office, working with a group of community-based organizations, and that is looking at uh, some things like how do we treat the COLA, the compensation, the COLAs for nonprofits in a more consistent way, and how do we do a better job of having streamlined and coordinated monitoring. Um, I think it would be a priority for me uh, to uh, work on, on taking that work to the next stage. Uh, you mentioned, Supervisor Walton, a couple of the key uh, issues. Uh, there are uh, challenges with the city's ability to efficiently administer contracts. Uh, I believe that we could do a better job uh, broadening the pool of potential uh, applicants uh, for RFPs and other city contracts and supporting organizations as they come in and express a willingness to do work for the city and also providing support where our uh, partners need capacity building uh, and trying to develop that system of uh, support. Uh, the other piece that you mentioned, uh, which is also a priority for me, is uh, working on how do we do a better job of being clear about metrics that we're using to evaluate uh, success under our city contracts and I think the controller's office is in a position to help facilitate some citywide conversations. It's a tricky topic uh, but there's so much of our work that depends on successful relationships 
uh, with our, our contractors, I think there is an opportunity to uh, uh, spend quite a bit of time on developing tools and data and options to bring to policymakers for, for how we could uh, improve in that area. So I'm excited to uh, work on that topic. I also think, um, I will mention, I think that there's an opportunity to expand the, the or, or ch uh, change the uh, composition of that group that's working on that process to make sure that we have the right and the uh, fair and broad and inclusive perspective of community-based organizations. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. Uh, thank you. Um, so Supervisor Walton somewhat asked the question that I was asking, um, but one of the things that we've been able to institute over the last few years is, is a little bit more uh, robust auditing. I think the auditing has been helpful for some of the organizations to kind of guide them. And I'm talking about nonprofit auditing and some of the services auditing um, from the controller's office. I'm thinking of the, of the Department of Public Health. I'm thinking of some of the programs in uh, housing and support, uh, homeless supportive housing. Um, some of it's intended to guide and kind of roadmap to strengthen organizations, but in some cases uh, we found some instances where there has been some significant problems. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and the role that the controller's office plays in that? Yes, uh, absolutely, Supervisor, and you're correct. Uh, controller's office um, audit uh, role is one of the fundamental uh, responsibilities of the office under the charter. Uh, there's a, a team uh, that conducts those audits. Uh, I think that that has been a, um, there, there, are, there are challenges in delivering city services, and I think it's critical to have uh, active and robust function for identifying where things are not working well or where we're not getting uh, value for public service or for public dollars um, and even when there may be misuse of uh, public funds. Uh, so that's certainly a critical role of the controller's office. Uh, I have started uh, digging in with the team on the work planning. I would like to uh, spend quite a bit of time on the work planning for that audit function. I've heard uh, and will continue to consult with members of this board on where they think opportunities may be. Um, but uh, I'm abs absolutely uh, committed to uh, carrying out that role and, and making sure that we have a, a process for uh, ensuring that uh, public funds are used effectively and that programs are being successful. And we, we started that program with the current controller um, with the Department of Homeless Supportive Housing. That was a ballot measure that, 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 that I led last year. Um, and some of that work is beginning. Um, I think that's an important uh, transition point between the current controller and yourself um, because that, just the beginning of auditing showed some significant deficiencies and some problems uh, within that department. And so um, definitely need to prioritize that um, as a goal for your transition. A second thing I want to talk about is, at least from my term on the board, and I think my colleagues will agree, the position the controller plays is one of arbiter, one of uh, solutions and problem solving and, and helping to guide us in an independent way um, when we have potentially policy debates or looking for solutions in those. Can you, can you talk about how you'll embrace that and, and the role the controller plays in those important conversations? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Supervisor. Um, 
I think I view the role of the controller's office as a not a decision maker about those uh, challenging issues, but as you described, a voice that can support, can provide data to policymakers, that can bounce ideas off of members of the board or the mayor's office and uh, take those ideas and put our uh, analytical capacity to work to um, create options uh, that may be available to the board. Um, I certainly think from a kind of a, a tactical uh, standpoint, I would com uh, certainly be meeting regularly with the members of the board uh, to talk through the issues that they're concerned with, the areas where they need support, and using the, the teams to my best of the best of my ability to, um, to do so. Um, the controller's office is in that special role, and this goes back to the role in the charter of it stands outside the Board of Supervisors and outside the Mayor's office uh, and that role of uh, helping facilitate conversations and using data I think is core to uh, how the office needs to conduct itself and that is one of the things that I have watched from our former two controllers and learned uh, lessons with uh, from and that I will continue to consult with our uh, former controllers uh, to uh, and, and all of you to learn how to do that what well and better uh, if I'm given the opportunity to, to have this position I, I would almost take it a step further I feel in many cases the when the controller puts their stamp of approval on an idea um, it definitely helps to shift the debate um, amongst all stakeholders in the city so I think that's a really important uh, role and uh, absolutely, Supervisor, there are times where the board or the mayor says to the controller, we don't just want data, we want you to give us a recommendation, uh, and that uh, is, is a role as well, so I, I certainly understand that point. So the last thing I want to talk about is, is it coming into the, this year in particular, you're, you're stepping, you will be stepping into this role in a very um, tenuous time for our city, in the sense that at least the most recent numbers that we got over the next two years, about an $800 million deficit. Um, I think the, the feeling is that that number will keep growing as we get closer to budget negotiations and potentially has the, um, potentially can grow even further than that to a significant amount. Some of that has to do with the 40 million square feet of empty office space in the downtown, uh, some of the tourist industry, hotel and sales tax not recovering, transfer tax uh, not as robust as it once was because of the uh, deflation, uh, uh, devaluation of property. Uh, property owners are either going to foreclose more rapidly or hold until the economy comes back. All of that plays into a larger and larger deficit, and yet, we have a significant number of services and positions in the city, city positions, um, that the mayor chose to not fill over the last five years, whether it was 911 call operators, nurses, um, paramedics, um, a whole host of our kind of social safety net all over the city. Just wanted to hear your thoughts about the structural deficit um, that is upcoming, the amount of services that will be impacted, and some of the ideas you have in terms of recommendations uh, going forward. 
Uh, thank you, Supervisor. That is the, um, I, guess, I guess it's the billion dollar question. Um, Sounds like it. I have, I have a lot of uh, thoughts and I've spent a lot of years uh, tackling questions of this nature, um, but a few to share here at this moment. Um, so number one, uh, as you describe, the shape of the projected deficit includes a short-term uh, deficit, but also a structural uh, and um, the structural imbalance between expenditures and revenues, uh, so that we have a short-term problem to solve over the next six months in this two-year budget, uh, but we also have uh, a growth in that deficit in the out years. So I think that's gonna take multiple years of layering on uh, solutions. There are some things that we can look at uh, in the current year and in the short term. Uh, there are other things that will take a longer lead time to develop ideas, analysis, uh, flesh out what some of those activities may be uh, that, so that we'll be ready in next year's budget uh, process or the year after uh, to uh, uh, put those on the table or, or into play for uh, decision making in the budget process. I think a few things uh, that we can certainly do, there are the short term things that the controller's office will certainly help with that are more of the technical financial analysis, things like looking at the city's debt portfolio for opportunities for restructuring, looking at the relationship between our uh, capital project budgets and the general fund, Things like uh, the rate at which we can draw our FEMA reimbursement will certainly do those. Um, I think the other piece of this is uh, at your, you, you described the, the economic transition that we're in. Um, I think the current state of our forecast is uh, we have a good forecast, but we also probably have an unusual amount of uncertainty given that we're in a a place of transition in the economy. Um, and so there's gonna be both short-term and long-term work uh, for the controller's office, and much of that has started in, in partnership with the treasurer and tax collector uh, to continue to get a better handle on what those projections look like as more data becomes available. Uh, so projecting out what the uh, economic uh, situation means for property and property-based taxes uh, so that we can have a clearer uh, picture of the deficit. Um, but lastly, and I think importantly to your um, underlying question, um, I think there are opportunities that the controller's office uh, can use to, to support decision-making by this body and by the mayor's office. Uh, for, as I understand, the first time in quite some time, we have a nearly uh, fully staffed uh, city performance unit, which is the team that you're often reading reports and hearing analysis from. Uh, and that capacity uh, is something that we can use to flesh out uh, some of these concepts or ideas, both short-term and long-term. Things like, are there opportunities in consolidating city services? How can we analyze program areas where there's overlap between multiple departments? and look for savings opportunities, opportunities to deliver services more efficiently. Uh, those things take time and thought and are complicated to implement. Uh, I think that's a place we can help. Uh, the, the team at the controller's office is all, already uh, working on uh, some of that work to try to uh, think through leading into this process, how we can use 
the, the office to help with some of that analysis and uh, flesh out some city uh, uh, priority options uh, leading into the budget. And that could include things like uh, looking at uh, vacant positions, looking at uh, what's going on in our uh, uh, contracted spending or other topics of that nature. So we will be supporting uh, to the best of our ability in that regard. So um, <clears throat> I, I just want to ask you directly just something that I, I know that a lot of us are thinking about. So I heard consolidation, savings, vacant positions, and, and contracted um, ad adjustment of contracts and contract spending. Uh, but I don't know if that gets us to $1.4 in terms of deficit. And unlike probably any time in the last 75, 80 years, this, this downtown recovery and this downtown vacancy uh, will continue to have a significant impact in the short and medium term. And so how do you, how do you think about in terms of our overall service delivery, and that's what I kind of started with in terms of some of the basic important services in the city, how do you approach that without thinking about revenue, thinking about where our revenue sources are and how we adjust those revenue sources in a thoughtful way and, and meet, meet this particular challenge? Because I think it's one that we have not seen um, in a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely. And the question about revenue, I think, goes to the, um, the earlier discussion about uh, uh, the ongoing analysis of the economic drivers, which translate into our tax base. Um, so there has been a lot of baseline work uh, that has happened on that. Uh, but I think there are multiple, I mean, the controller's office has the office of the city economist. Uh, there have been a number of uh, discussions and reports and analysis that have occurred already. Uh, but I think that is going to be the key, one of the key factors. You look at what is driving the deficit, it's the flattening of revenue in those sources, uh, business tax, hotel tax, uh, property tax, property-based taxes. Um, so that is certainly key. Um, I think some of the roles for the uh, controller's office are evaluating, continuing to develop our model for how we forecast those revenues, and then also looking at how our taxes are organized to incentivize or disincentivize uh, the ability of our uh, economic core to grow uh, and, and restore some of that, that tax revenue. Um, so they're very complicated discussions, but I think obviously revenue uh, is at the heart of the financial projections and is a, a core, uh, core role for the controller's office to facilitate with the board and with the mayor's office uh, policy options for how we can approach uh, uh, revenues. I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I think that we, we have to not be intimidated by the conversation about revenue. I think that there's some of the ones that you talked about that will remain flat. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to embrace that and get to the table and have a real thoughtful conversation. Because you can't talk about consolidation and vacant positions when, for example, because you're coming from the Department of Public Health and you know, on, on the Budget Committee, we did this recently, $40 million that were intended to hire nurses, medical assistants, and others that are extremely important for our safety delivery system in the city 
went vacant and unfilled, and then we transferred that money into overtime. So we're overworking existing employees and underutilizing those particular positions that we should be hiring for. Now, we're having a conversation about the significant deficit that we're coming across. And yes, there's going to have to be conversations. Everything has to be on the table. But revenue also has to be on the table. And restructuring some of our existing revenue has to be on the table. Um, so I'm glad to hear you say you're, you're willing and able to embrace that. Thank you, Madam Chair, uh, for the opportunity to ask those questions. Thank you so much, and my colleagues asked all my questions, so um, off the hook with me. Uh, but I wanted to give the opportunity to Controller Rosenfeld to make any comments or ask any questions. <laughs> uh, good morning, Madam Chair, members of the committee, um, and thank you for the opportunity to, to say a couple things. I will not ask questions, I promise. Um, as someone that's worked with Greg for a number of years in a number of the different roles that he's held and I've held around, around the government, um, I think it's important to, to mention some of my um, experiences with his approach and the qualities I think he would bring to the job. And I'll just mention a couple of areas that I think are important for the role. Um, first, I think it's absolutely critical that whoever hold the role um, be an honest broker and independent in their approach to the work, and I know Greg would do that, um, having seen him in his approach in tricky situations in the past as mayor's budget director, as CFO at the health department, uh, and other roles he's held in the city. Um, I think kind of the respect that comes for the office comes in part because it's understood that uh, when we're kind of saying something as a controller's office, it comes with thought, it comes with analysis from a, a tremendous group of people and the answer is the same, regardless of who's asking. That that could be a mayor, it could be a board of supervisors member, it could be a member of a labor union, a nonprofit organization, a stakeholder. That you are an honest and straightforward broker of information in often contentious situations. And I've, I've witnessed Greg doing that many times over the years. Um, the other um, is I think it's critical that whoever hold the role kind of have a belief in the power of this place to do good and in the importance of city government. So while the control and controller implies that you are saying no a lot, and you are, um, you really want, I believe, someone in the role that wants to be helpful, that really wants to um, understand what's wanted, identify issues, and try to help people get there. So while no is, is often part of the job, you don't want that to be someone's first instinct. And I know that, and have again seen Greg troubleshoot tricky situations, have seen him kind of work through complicated issues, listen carefully, and bring kind of his knowledge and the knowledge of those around him to, tr to troubleshoot problems. So um, just a couple of my perspectives as I kind of step out of this role and am looking forward with this body's approval to, to working with Greg on a, on a clean transition. Thank you so much, appreciate that. And now, Mr. Clerk, if we can open this item up for public comment. Yes, <clears throat> members of the public who wish to speak on this item should line up to speak now at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. There'll be a soft chime when you have 30 seconds left and a louder chime when your time has expired. Would anyone like to make public comment on this matter? There does not appear to be any public comment. Public comment is now closed.
Um, so on the advice of the city attorney, I wanted to offer just an amendment um, to the item. Um, if we could uh, add the language or amend the language basically to clarify when um, uh, Greg would take over as controller. So the language would read, moved that the Board of Supervisor hereby approves, rejects the mayor's appointment of Greg Wagner as the controller for the city and county of San Francisco for a term ending 10 years from the effective date of such appointment, which shall be the latter of either the effective date of this motion or the resignation of controller Ben Rosenfeld. Can I have a- um, Second. Would you also like second. to include uh, re uh, deleting rejecting throughout the legislation? Oh, sure, I can just do it in one. Yeah, and then it is my great pleasure to make a motion to remove the word rejects is that the language? Yeah, I believe it is. Rejects throughout the I legislation. I haven't been on this committee for a while. Remove the, <laughs> remove the word rejects um, from, from this motion. Yes. And I have a roll call vote on that item. On the motion to amend. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Right, and now... Um, I'll make a motion to send the amended um, item to the full board with positive recommendation. As a committee report? As committee a committee report. Yes. Recommended as amended as a committee report. Vice Chair Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Congratulations. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number two? Item number two is a hearing center appointing five members in definite terms to the Food Security Task Force. Wonderful, and we have two applicants for five seats. And first, I wanted to invite Hannah Grant, if she is here. Hello, welcome, hi. I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and, and let us know why you're interested in serving on this seat. Um, I'm Hannah Grant. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm the Associate Director of Nutrition Services at Meals on Wheels of San Francisco. And I would like to be a member of the Food Security Task Force because I think that food security is essential to moving the needle on health equity and social justice in our city. Um, in my position at Meals on Wheels, I interact with members of our community every day who are managing chronic conditions and are experiencing food insecurity. So I think that I'm well positioned to provide good feedback and to advocate for members of our community on the, to the task force and help make good recommendations to you and the other supervisors. Um, it's a topic that's really important to me. I love San Francisco and I just want to be a part of making it a healthier place for members of our community to live. Wonderful, thank you so much. Um, any questions? I, I just had one quick sure. question for you. Um, because we're heading into a difficult budget year and because in the past food security has been, you know, on the chopping block several times, something that many members of this board have fought uh, very hard to protect. Um, do you have any thoughts about uh, 
what the task force might be able to do to sort of uh, lift up the importance of food security as uh, an item yeah. sort of that's sacred and should not be cut? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that the task force is working on right now is the biannual report. Um, and I think sort of like Mr. Wagner talked about the importance of data and showing what the impact of food security services are and the long-term impacts of what food security means for people in our community and the downstream effects of that. I think illustrating that with personal stories from people in our community and pairing that up with data to just illustrate how important a topic it is and the true impact of these services is something that, you know, I think the Food Security Task Force does try to do, but I think that I could really sort of help advocate for that. Our organization serves every zip code in San Francisco and I talk to people from all over our community all the time. So I think by pairing those things, can try to, you know, drive Appreciate home the that. importance. Appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for not only applying for this position, but for the work that you do every single day. It's so important, so crucial, and really appreciate you. Thanks. Uh, it's a pleasure. For everything you do. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's all. Thank you. And next, um, we'll hear from Laura Jones. Hi, good morning. Good morning, thank you for having me here today. Um, my name is Laura Jones. I'm the program manager for Leah's Pantry in San Francisco, and we are a nonprofit that does trauma-informed nutrition security initiatives statewide, and in San Francisco, I specifically manage our community-based programs. Uh, we work with the Department of Disability and Aging to provide direct education to older adults and adults with disabilities and then also work on a CalFresh Healthy Living grant to do needs assessments in specific areas of the city that have the highest need and to do community engagement to try and lift up the voices of older adults and adults with disabilities on different committees like the Food Security Task Force. Thank you. Any questions? No? Um, I'll just then take the opportunity to ask you one question. Um, can you talk about the impacts of COVID and sort of the end of the COVID emergency on food security in San Francisco and Well, there were so many extra supports. I wasn't here during the lockdown of the pandemic. I was living in Oregon, but arriving here at the tail end of it and seeing all of the, um, the, the extra money that was going into CalFresh benefits and the extra supports the city was providing to the food bank, things that people were getting, and now seeing all of those things cut and just the longer lines all around the city of people needing food and families struggling and knowing that the direct relationship between that and how children are going to perform in school, the possibility of people losing their homes because they have to choose between feeding their children or paying their rent and just understanding how critical food security is to the well-being of people in our city, so. Thank you, thank you, appreciate you taking Thanks. the time to apply, thank you. Mr. Clerk, can we now open this item up for public comment? <coughs> yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item should line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. 
Thank you for letting me uh, allowing me to speak on this item. It's very important, I think, the Food Security Task Force, and I'm glad I was able to catch this item. As you know, my time isn't isn't going down. <laughs> I don't want to take take up too much of your time. Uh, but the point is, I just want to say, I just want to applaud this board and this body for um, for being mindful of um, this task force and and knowing how important your job is. It's really really important because you know um, you. you especially when you consider um, uh, a population like the homeless population um, that really relies on the pantries and, 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 and the city support, the dietitians and nutritionists and, um, and the food banks and, and things of that sort, making sure that food is safe to consume, making sure food is safe to consume because anybody can just walk in there and, and start serving a homeless guy and it's terrible. I can't, I can't, I can't eat at those places anymore. I tried St. Anthony's, I tried Glide. I was at Dorothy Day in Berkeley. It's, it's awful. It's awful. People, people push you around, and be, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. So if we could have a more strict process for allowing people to volunteer and give their time and serve, being in charge of food and serving a really sensitive population, because the homeless population that I'm a part of right now is is really like vulnerable. So thank you guys and I appreciate you. Thanks for your testimony. Are there any other speakers on this matter? Uh, that appears to be the, we, uh, there are no more speakers for public comment. Public comment is now closed. I would like to make a motion to recommend Hannah Grant for seat 18 and Laura Jones for seat 19 and send that item to the full board with positive recommendation. Yes, on that motion, Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. That motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Congratulations and thanks again. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item number three? Yes, item number three is a hearing to consider appointing one member term ending January 1st, 2029 to the Elections Commission. Thank you, and we have one seat and two applicants. Um, first, I would like to call up Ruth Kowitz. Um, good morning, hi. Thanks so much. Please uh, tell us about uh, your qualifications and interest in serving. Yeah, um, so for those of you who haven't met, I'm Ruth Kowitz. I um, first got really interested in contributing and finding a way to contribute to our local government when I spent some time in 2019 volunteering in Supervisor Stephanie's office when I was between jobs. Um, and I just loved engaging with the constituents, being here in City Hall, understanding what was going on, um, and also the other volunteers that I got to work with. It was a really wonderful community. Um, and so since then, I went back to work full time. I wasn't able to come during the day anymore, then pandemic, then I had a baby. My daughter's two and a half now, so I'm excited to come back and, um, and contribute to the community again. Um, and specifically why I felt like this was a really good opportunity for me, I don't have a ton of experience in civic policy or elections management or things like that, but I feel that I have strong experience from my professional career that I can bring to the commission and contribute in that way. Um, so I'm a product manager in the tech industry and there's two real key skills that I think I can bring from that to this commission. The first is data and analytics. As we've heard from several of our speakers today, it's really critical that we both set appropriate metrics that are measuring the right thing, 
um, measure them in the, in the best way possible so that we get good data and then analyze it to understand what it's really telling us and take the right actions. Um, and so I would love, I've been doing that for my entire career and I would love to work with the team at the Department of Elections as responsible for that and help support them in any way that I can. And then secondly, it's actually stakeholder management. Um, product manager is a really key central role that has a lot of, of responsibility but very little direct authority. Um, and so it's part of my day-to-day -day job to bring together disparate groups of people who don't have the same agenda, who don't have the same point of view, and get them all working towards the same goal and the same mission. So at work, it's engineers and marketers and data scientists and designers and executives and getting them, corralling them all together. And I think I could take that same skill set and apply it to the teams here with my fellow commissioners, with the, um, with the department, members of the Department of Elections and the other departments that we would need to work with to achieve our goals. So I'm really excited about the opportunity and happy to answer your questions. Well, thank you so much. Any questions? Supervisor Walton. Thank you, Chair Ronan. And I'll actually ask this to every applicant, but how important do you think it is for voting to be made accessible to everyone, and do you have any ideas on how to get people registered and to the polls? Um, it's a great question, and uh, I, th I think it's absolutely critical that we get as many people to vote as possible. I think that's probably the most important thing that the commission does and the ways that the commission can contribute. Um, in terms of specific ideas of how to get people to the polls, I'm sure there's lots of programs already that are doing outreach. I actually just received my voter pamphlet um, yesterday that was just addressed to anyone who can vote at this address, um, which I really appreciated. And it's, <clears throat> so there's a lot that's happening already, and I think there's a, um, there are probably opportunities. As I mentioned, that's not really my ex area of expertise and somewhere where I have a ton of experience. And so I'd likely be looking to my fellow commissioners and the Department of Elections to come, uh, to come with those initial ideas and be able to help bring me along to learn what those key things are. And I can contribute in other ways on execution and things like that. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. And, and it says here you hosted uh, polling station at your residence? I did, yeah, you, you um, in that. 2022, yeah. Um, so I, I live on the same block with um, the Mission Campus of City College, and so during the pandemic, that, that location was closed. That's usually where they have a big polling station, um, but that was closed, and so instead we had a smaller one in my garage. I just got a letter in the mail that said, um, that, that said, hey, we've identified that you might have space, and I was so excited. I almost jumped out of my seat and called them back immediately. Um, I, I only got to do it once because after that, um, after that the, uh, the city college opened back up again, and that's obviously a much more better suited location than my garage, but I was really sad. I wanted to like get a bunch of Americana decor and have a playlist. <laughs> Didn't quite get to it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and then, I, just last question: What would be your priorities uh, if you served on the? Yeah, I think what Supervisor Walton mentioned about getting as many uh, as about 
getting as many people to the polls as possible would be a really, really high priority. And I think also just ensuring that we're creating a really collaborative environment between the Department of Elections and the Commission. Um, you know, you don't want that relationship to be adversarial, even though it is an oversight relationship. It's really one of how we've got all these great, smart people. Let's get them all working together and um, and coming up with the best ideas and doing it most efficiently as possible. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for uh, applying for this position, your willingness to serve. Yeah, thanks. And next we'll uh, hear from Kelly Wong. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Kelly Wong. I stand here today to seek your support and vote for my nomination to the Elections Commission. I believe this position will not only allow me to promote equal access to voting for all, but also for me to represent and uplift the voices of immigrant communities and other marginalized groups in San Francisco, a perspective I believe needs to be strengthened on the current commission. I have to start by acknowledging that my background might be uncommon compared to those who have historically served on the Elections Commission. I'm a non-citizen and a proud immigrant woman born and raised in Hong Kong who moved to the U.S. for a graduate international relations program in Massachusetts. Many may wonder why a newcomer like myself would seek this position. It is exactly because I'm an immigrant that I understand how it feels to be left out of important policy decisions and conversation that impacts my life. For a long time after moving to the U.S., I felt unhurt, defeated, and struggled to find my own voice. But rather than be kept aside and silenced, or working in Washington, D.C. after graduation, like many of my friends did, I moved to San Francisco to serve my communities. Through my work at Chinese for Affirmative Action, I saw how monolingual low-income immigrants face language and cultural barriers that prevent them from actually exercising their fundamental rights to vote. To bridge this communication gap, I've hosted in language outreach workshops and produced a Cantonese podcast to explain voting rights in a creative way that is not only accessible, but also easily understood by monolingual folks. To me, access is not just about translation, but also require cultural competence and understanding. Of course, these issues don't stand in isolation among Chinese immigrants. They also apply to the broader immigrants groups that I have had the privilege to work with under a multiracial coalitions called San Francisco's Immigrants Legal and Education Network, SF Fallon. I'm grateful that some of them are here today to vouch for my support on behalf of their own, on behalf of their own communicate, um, sorry, their uh, own um, organizations. Over the, sorry, over the past three months, I spoke to Director Arns from Departments of Elections, as well as the Commission President and three esteemed members of the Commission. I'm motivated that I to find that we all share the same vision of empowering individuals from historically underrepresented groups to exercise their fundamental rights to vote. This includes communities of color, low-income groups, limited English proficient voters, immigrants, and people with disabilities. I'm both hopeful and deeply committed to make sure that everyone has an equal voice in shaping policy that impacts their well-being and also that of their children. In closing, I take pride in rediscovering my voice. So I humbly ask for your support and vote today. 
with the hope that by doing so, not only will my voice be amplified, but also the voices that I'm honored to represent on the Elections Commissions. Together, let us achieve the transformative change our communities deserved. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you so much. Supervisor Walton. Thank you so much, Chair Ronan, and thank you so much for being an applicant. Uh, same question. Mm -hmm. How important it is, is it to you that voting be accessible to everyone, and do you have any ideas about right. how to get people registered and out to the polls? Totally. Um, this is a really great question. Uh, like I mentioned in my open statement, that I would love to study ways to increase voter participation by collaborating with trusted organizations. Because of my network with multiracial coalitions, I would love to talk to them and to identify and address specific needs of underrepresented communities and try to find out why some communities have lower, disproportionately lower voter registration rates. And as I mentioned also, um, I'd love to, you know, really leverage on my language, language and cultural skills to examine the voter, voting materials. I want to make sure, sure those materials is not only available in multiple languages, uh, compliance in, uh, with our language access ordinance, but also done in a way that is culturally competent for immigrants, voters. Knowledge is power. Without that, um, monolingual low-income folks wouldn't be able to have equal access to ballot boxes and make important decisions with informed uh, materials and knowledge. So these are kind of the things that I'm going to work on and things that I, you know, actually compliance with my work too that I've been already working on. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Safai, did you have any questions? No? And then I just had the same question as well. What would be your priorities? Uh, I think you talked about them. Yeah. But if, is, is there anything that right. you haven't said already that you want to emphasize? Um, I think for the most part, I already kind of talked about, but I can do, um, you know, add that I spoke to the uh, commission presidents, Robin Stowe and the director Arns, and also three other esteemed members of uh, commissions, including commissions um, Jordanic, a comm a Commissioner Dye, and also Commissioner Parker. And I can sense that everyone is kind of on board with that. I also know that um, the pr uh, President Stone tried to create actually a community input subcommittee to find creative way to cultivate relationship with agencies so we can have more information on uh, kind of registration data, and also how to engage um, with data, uh, sorry, voters from diverse backgrounds. And I think I can most certainly be the person to, to be on that subcommittee, you know, hopefully to solicit um, inputs from my communities and also be that person people can reach out to because of the trust I already built with the immigrants groups. Thank you. Wonderful, thank you so much for, yep. for applying for this yeah. seat. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, can we um, open this item up for public comment? Uh, yes, I'd just like to clarify before I make my statement that um, Santicia and Broza, Brosio uh, withdrew their application. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item should line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. There will be a soft chime when you have 30 seconds left and a loud chime when your time has expired. Okay, have our first speaker. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thanks for operating in a, a way that gives space for the public to comment. Um, I'm here, my name is Finn Palomero. I'm here representing Dolores Street Community Services. I'm here in support of Kelly Wong's um, application for this position. Um, throughout my work with Kelly, I've been able to see her operate in various um, group 
making decision spaces, um, coalitions, as she mentioned, multiracial, multiethnic coalitions. Um, and I've been really struck by her commitment to, you know, the democratic process to actually sort of putting her efforts where her mouth is and actually uplifting, um, you know, those beliefs that I think many of us have, but not all of us have the opportunity to actually you know, follow through with. I also want to mention that I think it's a, a huge strength um, that she is from Hong Kong, um, not only um, for communities who speak Cantonese. I think that when we uplift voices from other countries and other communities, we're able to see the, the gaps in our own system. Um, and I have seen personally from working in Los Angeles and other states that you know, the voting process is not just not accessible for immigrant communities. There's a lot of communities that don't find it accessible, right? And I think um, when we uplift voices from specific groups that f see those barriers, we actually make it more accessible for all sorts of people. And obviously the immigrant community in San Francisco is a massive part of the city. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Chair Ronan, Supervisor Walton, Super Safai, my name is Vincent Pan. I'm the co-executive director of Chinese for Affirmative Action, CAA. CAA is a community-based civil rights organization headquartered in San Francisco, Chinatown, and we support the appointment of Kelly Wong to the San Francisco Elections Commission. We advocate for systemic change that protects immigrant rights, promotes language diversity, and remedies racial and social injustice. We have historic work in San Francisco to improve elections, democratic processes, and civic participation. Kelly has been on staff with CAA since August 2022 as an immigrant rights community advocate. She has a demonstrated track record of understanding and advocating for vulnerable migrant populations, both in San Francisco and, and abroad. She has a commitment and expertise about how to create more access for those who are marginalized due to language barriers, class status, geography, race, and migrant experiences. This would make her an invaluable member of the Elections Commission. CA has reviewed city rules about the roles and responsibilities of elections commissioners and the incompatible activities they are prohibited from. At CA, we will ensure that Kelly's work will not include any of these activities and implement internal firewalls to exclude Kelly from involvement in any local campaign elections work. Kelly's role at CA is primarily focused on providing direct services to newcomer migrants and conducting community education on available services and resources for this same population. Uh, we respectfully support Kelly Wong's candidacy for the Elections Commission of San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, uh, committee members. Um, my name is Brent Turner. Uh, I've been involved with the Elections Commission for uh, quite a few years advocating for open source software election systems. On behalf of the public, I want to first and foremost thank Chris Jordanik as being a great catalyst for this effort, this national effort, as well as uh, the local effort that was uh, first brought forward here by Supervisor Tom Amiano. Uh, the budget cuts that we are uh, contemplating for the elections department and that the mayor has mandated um, can be accomplished by following Mr. Jordanik's direction regarding deploying open source election systems in San Francisco. Unfortunately, um, this we've been frozen in place here. 
uh, in San Francisco by, uh, I think, lobbyist pressure that has prohibited us from moving forward on this effort. But now we are seeing the work accomplished in San Francisco moving forward in other states, namely New Hampshire coming up and, and also, of all places, Mississippi. So um, if we could make sure that the incoming commissioner is well-versed in open source and uh, understands the issue as a national security issue that can also be fiscally responsible uh, in, in the work of San Francisco, I think that would be smart, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Wendy Audubon. I am the Program Manager of Leadership, Development, and Advocacy at Urban Habitat. Um, we're a 30-year-old organization that works to democratize power and lift up the voices of low-income people of color um, through deep democracy work in the Bay Area, as well as supporting um, leaders from these communities in our Boards and Commissions Leadership Institute, of which Kelly is currently a fellow. Um, I want to speak in support of Kelly Wong's appointment to Elections Commission um, based on some of the points that she made. Um, as you know, in 2016, the voters passed Prop N that gave the right to non-citizens to vote for school board, and that was just upheld by an appellate court in August. You know, as a San Franciscan and in my professional role, I think it's really important to move that forward, and hopefully non-citizens will be able to vote on all of their elected officials and ballot measures that impact their daily lives, such as whether it is to fund new parks and transit, to build more affordable housing, or even just to talk about the taxes that they have to pay. We also believe that language justice is a component of racial and class justice, and to have that voice on this commission is really critical, so that those whose language is not, first language is not English or it's not their dominant language, do you have somebody who understands them and has that lived experience? Uh, we do think that given that there is not currently that we know of a, a current immigrant on that commission, Kelly would be a perfect voice for that. Um, with that, um, I think that I would also want to say that Kelly shows such a great level of solidarity um, that she doesn't just represent her immediate community of Cantonese and Mandarin speakers, but she wants to represent all immigrants and our diverse languages in the city. Um, we know, we've seen people be divided um, since the pandemic, especially groups of uh, communities of color, and I think that her bringing um, a voice of accountability and solidarity with other communities is really important. So we support her nomination to this commission. We hope that you will as well. Good morning. Uh, my name is Caven Williams. I'm here to speak as a, uh, just a resident of San Francisco and to express my support for candidate Wong. I know uh, Ms. Wong personally, and I know her to be a very bright, moral, and ethical person. And I believe she's applied for this position, for this commission, solely because she wants to serve the entire community of San Francisco. So uh, in my brief statement, I, I just want to uh, provide my support here and uh, my expression that, uh, in my belief that Ms. Wong would be an excellent commissioner. Thank you. Are there any other speakers who wish to make public comment? There are no additional speakers. Public comment is now closed. Supervisor Watson. Thank you, Chair Ronan. And I just want to first just say thank you to both candidates uh, that applied. Uh, I know sometimes it can be hard to one come and participate in a committee hearing like this. So thank you both for stepping up and just want to encourage 
uh, all of you to continue to pursue a way to participate in the work here in San Francisco. <coughs> we have a tough choice because we can only select one person, uh, but appreciate both of you for applying. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, and thank you for saying that, um, Supervisor Walton. It's always the most difficult part of our job here on the Rules Committee is to make a final decision when there's multiple applicants for one seat. And oftentimes we get very qualified, motivated, and engaged uh, citizens and residents of San Francisco that want to participate. And so I really appreciate both people for, for coming out. Um, I, I did want to say I think one of the things that that we have not done well in San Francisco and need to do better is uh, fighting for and advocating for uh, immigrant communities that have language as a barrier uh, to participating in the uh, elections process. And I think that having someone from that community um, that strangely enough can't even vote themselves, but is that motivated to be part of the process I think in this particular time, in this particular moment, is the, is the right person uh, for this opportunity. Um, it's no knock on, on Ruth and the work that she has done. I think she would make a phenomenal uh, commissioner as well. But given where we are uh, with a, a continuing and increasing amount of immigrant communities moving to uh, San Francisco, and as Supervisor Walton said, engaging and encouraging more people existing to, in, to participate in the elections process I think is an important thing. I mean, we made a very important decision in San Francisco, uh, much the chagrin of people that wanted the status quo, um, to move our mayoral election to November. And just that move itself will increase the participation by almost 30% of voters in San Francisco in the most important election here locally. And so that then gives a charge to our elections commission to get out and engage with communities that have not participated in the past. So appreciate both of the applicants, um, but I think uh, we should at this moment uh, support, support Kelly Wong uh, for this position. And I would make a motion to uh, um, put her into this seat. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Supervisor Safai. Um, I, I would agree, and, and almost for all of the reasons that you uh, laid forward, so I won't repeat those. Um, but I will say that, um, uh, is it Kowitz or Kowitz? Kowitz. Um, I had such a great time talking with you and, and learning about your skills and, and experience, and I am hell-bent on finding you <laughs> a way to serve because I don't, um, I, I, your willingness and enthusiasm about serving the city is so infectious even <laughs> that um, we're not going to let that go to waste. So, I, you know, we will be in touch from, from my office. I really, really, really want to express my gratitude to you. Um, for, for, for not only showing up and applying for this position, but um, for, for doing it so thoughtfully and, um, and so enthusiastically wanting to serve the city. It's, it's, it's really a beautiful thing to see. So 
we are not, we are, we're not, we're not giving up on you, <laughs> not for a second. Um, but I would, I would uh, support that motion, and if we can have a roll call vote on the motion, that would yes, be. Yes, on the motion to appoint Kelly Wong to seat one. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you to you both. Be in touch. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number four? Yes, item number four is a motion approving rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Janet Tarlov to the Municipal Transportation Agency Board of Directors term ending March 1st, 2024. Hello, Ms. Tarlow. Good morning, hello. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Chair Ronan, Supervisor Walton, and Supervisor Safai. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to appear before you today to discuss my candidacy for director of the SFMTA board. I'm humbled by the responsibility I'm being considered for, and I appreciate your consideration of my nomination to the seat that was recently vaca vacated by Manny Yakutiel for his term uh, completing on March first of this year. Uh, in 2006, I founded Canyon Market, a natural foods grocery in Glen Park with my husband. And we ran the store for over 16 years until late 2022. We were proud to employ 100 staff members, support over 250 active vendors, and serve an average of 1,700 customers each day. Bus schedules, parking challenges, commercial loading, road construction, street closures, and enforcement issues were part of our daily conversation. My presidency of the Glen Park Merchants Association and my service as vice president and chair of the legislative committee for the San Francisco Council of District Merchants Associations taught me that I have a passion for public service. Last year, I spent some months considering what my next professional step might be and I began researching opportunities to perhaps serve on a city commission. I believe strongly that MTA has a fundamental impact on everyone who visits, works, and lives in San Francisco, and that the merchants play an integral role in that ecosystem. I'm supportive of the practice of filling one seat on the MTA board with someone like myself from the merchant community. San Francisco must have safe, reliable, clean and affordable public transit and a soundly engineered system of roadways and parking if we are to be an equitable, just, economically vibrant and environmentally sustainable city. If confirmed, I will work diligently to expand my understanding of SFMTA's vision and the many urgent issues it's facing. I am eager to represent an independent voice for the merchant community while at the same time taking a holistic approach to making decisions that profoundly impact so many people. Finally, I'd like to thank you, Chair Ronan and Supervisor Walton and Supervisor Safai for your work on behalf of all San Franciscans. I know firsthand the challenges of making decisions on behalf of others, and I admire and respect your efforts. Thank you, and I'll gladly take any questions you might have. Thank you, Supervisor Walton. 
Thank you, Chair Ronan, and thank you so much for uh, being willing to serve. I just have a couple of questions. One, as you know, the only vehicle triage center that we have is in District 10. And just curious what your approach would be to addressing the plight of people who live in cars and, and live in their RVs and vehicles. Yes, um, so that's a very, very difficult topic. Uh, the vehicularly housed, this is a, a term that I, I recently learned. Um, and it, it, I think it's very important that, um, that I maintain a keen awareness that this population is uh, the most vulnerable to coming homelessness, and um, and there's a significant number of families with children in this uh, represented in this population. Um, I think the only way to solve this problem is for uh, the agencies to collaborate with one another. MTA plays a role certainly, um, but uh, we need to work together to solve this issue which is incredibly urgent for both the people who are, are living in those circumstances and, uh, and, the, and the neighborhoods where this is happening. Um, there's an urgent need for appropriate parking that's secure and provides um, very basic services like sanitation, water, and power. Um, I, you know, I look forward to digging into it and being part of the solution. I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I, I have so much empathy for everyone on, on all sides of this, of this problem. And, um, and I look forward to doing whatever I can to, to help. And how do you feel about MTA raising fares? I think that the budget is a uh, very important um, part. You know, we have to have a sustainable system. I think we need to be looking at the revenue sources carefully and critically uh, all the time. Um, uh, fares are a, a very, you know, in and out part of it, you know, it goes directly to the, the services that are being provided. I, the answers that I've heard from the staff side have been that, um, uh, you know, revenue needs to stay at a certain level in, for, in, in order for services to remain at the same level. It's, I'm certain it's not, uh, my understanding of what I've been told is not as simplistic as that, and the message isn't as simplistic as, as that. but. There are, um, I mean, we've been very fortunate to, uh, to receive a, a bit of a stay on um, the, the urgency around raising fares uh, in the immediate future, but uh, there needs to be a lot of work uh, in order to avoid that if, if the um, services aren't going to be impacted. And, uh, you know, I think that that's work that needs to be done, and um, it's not an impossible problem to solve. Affordability is uh, tremendously important, uh, particularly for um, communities where uh, the household income is low, or people who are disabled, or senior, or students. Afford affordable muni is, is most important for, for those populations, and, uh, and I think we need to do everything we can to preserve and protect that.
And speaking of affordability, are you familiar with poverty tolls and what would be your vision on preventing them? So I, I don't think I am familiar, but um, the, the name seems to tell me that it's, you know, people's um, vehicles that are maybe non-functional and get towed. Maybe you could tell me a little bit more about that. It's really the premise of folks who are getting fined for maybe parking illegally or uh, putting themselves in a position where they receive fines, but they don't have the ability to pay for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they lose their vehicle uh, and fines can increase and continue to grow right. and really puts low income community members in a position where they may not ever be able to, to get their vehicles back. Right. And then, and then there's a cascading um, uh, series of issues for folks that, so I, um, I think that the staff needs to be working very, very hard to have, to identify those situations and find ways to uh, help people out of those situations. Um, the, the level of the fines, <laughs> you know, just having received some myself, they don't seem to be um, uh, compensatory or, you know, uh, appropriate to the, to the infraction uh, sometimes, you know, $100 is a lot of money. Um, and that's, those are the fines that I've seen. And so uh, that's something that I, I think about a lot um, at my business. There uh, were a lot of students and uh, people from low-income households who, who worked for us, and, um, and whenever there was a ticket, it was a, it was a big issue. And, it, you know, and, and we as employers had to step in many times to help um, people in those and similar circumstances where they didn't have enough money. And uh, so I'm very uh, sensitive to it. I don't know the solutions here right today, but, um, but I, I think it's a very important issue and I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing it up. But there are some policies and laws that are in place that work to alleviate the burden on low-income uh, members of community that have suffered from these fines. Most certainly hope that you will read up on some of those and also come up with some ideas to make it even easier and better uh, for, for folks in that category. Thank yeah, you. I certainly think, and, and sorry to, um, but that, you know, towing a vehicle is, is, a, is a drastic step, and it's drastic for the person who's, whose vehicle is getting towed most particularly, and it, it shouldn't be taken lightly. So thank you. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Ms. Tarloff, for a good conversation this morning. I just have some questions I'd normally ask on the record for um, individuals that want to assume this particular commission. Um, how often do you ride public transit, and did you ride public transit here today, and what lines do you usually ride? I, um, I ride public transit not infrequently. My primary way of getting around the city is on, uh, by bike, actually. Uh, I do own a car and I use it um, several times a week. Um, and uh, in terms of I, uh, arriving today, I, I took the M. Um, <laughs> I got it at Castro Street Station and uh, got off here at Van Ness. 
Um, since being appointed or uh, nominated for this role, I've made it a point to ride Muni, uh, to leave my bike at home and ride Muni uh, more frequently <laughs> than I have in, um, in recent years. And um, uh, I'd like to just say that I've been very pleasantly surprised at the um, cleanliness and the, um, the, uh, the maintenance of the, the vehicles and uh, the operators, the professionalism of the operators that I've encountered. Um, I was um, um, encouraged uh, to use Muni more. Um, and uh, particularly, it came in very handy today because it was raining cats and dogs and I, I wanted to uh, dress well for this hearing and uh, that, you know, wearing rain pants wasn't really part of my idea. So um, that's, uh, that's my answer. The reason I asked that question is because for the seat in particular, they, they look for people that are regular riders of public transportation. So that is one of the, one of the qualifications. So, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I believe that that's, there's a certain number of seats that are required to have uh, regular riders. Mm -hmm. of the public transportation system. It's not a requirement for all of the, um, all of the commissioners. Um, and, then, and then the other thing is, um, we talked a little this morning, Supervisor Walton talked about one of the questions that I had about um, impact on low-income communities, so I appreciate you asked that question. Um, my next question is, there isn't technically a seat for the perspective of a small business owner. I mean, if you read the the charter doesn't, it's not written that way, but I think that, I think they've reserved a seat in some ways to appoint someone with that perspective. So one want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Is, I, I know you spoke about founding Canyon Market, you know, big fan of that establishment. I've been going there for 17 years since you opened it. Uh, so I, I know you bring that financial and kind of knowledge of putting together a business. But can you talk a little bit about how, um, over the last few years in particular, there's been a lot of conflict between uh, small businesses, commercial corridors, and many of the decisions that the MTA has made. And I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Sure. Um, so uh, your, your question is specifically about um, the last few years and, and conflicts within the merchant community. Small business owners, <laughs> merchant community, and how they've interacted with or the MTA has interacted with them and how you manage those conflicts. Yeah, as you might imagine, I've, I've given this a lot of thought. Um, the, uh, particularly the, the community that I um, have the most experience with is um, our businesses with um, employees and uh, who operate uh, seven days a week and have a public-facing component. Um, and owner-operators of those uh, sorts of businesses are, if you um, think about it as a, a section of the whole population of San Francisco, it's, a, it's an incredibly small number of people. Um, you know, maybe there's 2,000 of us. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. I would be very interested in, in data related to that. However, we have uh, an enormous impact on the quality of life for the people in, in our communities. 
And so um, the, uh, one of the reasons that I'm so interested in taking this position is that I feel with MTA in particular, there is a, um, a real urgency around having someone with that experience having a strong voice. And, um, and then at the same time, I don't want to forget that uh, you know, the, the job of a director, as it is with any board, is to take the totality of the issues um, before her and, um, and uh, make uh, prudent decisions that take into account all of the points of view. But I do come from that uh, merchant background um, speaking for myself, I um, have certainly felt um, the, uh, the, the pressure of having decisions that impact um, my business um, by MTA and other city agencies, frankly, um, very keenly. And, um, and the uh, level of outreach has sometimes been uh, rather poor. Um, and in particular for us, um, when we were at our business every day, my husband and I would uh, divide our time so that we were present every single day of operation. And every, we were closed three days a year, and we were there on those days as well. Um, and, uh, and to have uh, any agency say, well, we, we couldn't get a hold of you was um, a little uh, discouraging. So um, the, uh, as we talked about on the phone, I, I feel like that um, lived experience of, um, of outreach that didn't live up to its promise, um, just to put it kindly, um, is something that I, I would like to see improve. And, um, and, you know, and there are a number of um, of issues that have come before the MTA board and, and just in the last few months that have uh, had a lot, of, um, a lot of input at at this sort of level, at the hearing level, uh, from uh, members from the merchant community. And that, and these are very, very, very busy people. So uh, if they come down and um, make their voice heard, it means that something's gone wrong um, before, before then. If, if they're coming down, it should be like, I, I understand what the decision that has been, that's being considered is, and, um, and while I might not agree with every part of it, I want to, you know, just recognize that there's been outreach, and that, I don't see that happening. Um, does that answer your question? Uh, a bit. I mean, I like the I like the part that you underscored, and I think that all three of us here would echo. We hear a significant amount of concerns about the outreach job that the MTA does when decisions are made and mm -hmm. how they impact communities and merchants in particular. I gave you an, I gave you multiple examples. We were talking about on the phone that the MTA. I mean, one of the things the MTA has said in the past, at least to me, I don't know if they've said that to my colleagues was that they had intended to have uh, a point person for each uh, district. Um, didn't mean that it would be exclusive. Maybe they would overlap with multiple districts, but at least there would be someone that would be in charge of communications 
by supervisorial district to handle those problems and be as an interface. Um, that has never been realized. Um, and I think it, it impedes the ability of the MTA to do effective outreach when they have decisions uh, that are made. Um, I've had to personally intervene with significant number of decisions that would impact businesses and communities. Um, and so I think that's an important thing to carry. I think you said to me, and I'll just give you the opportunity to say this, that would be one of your top priorities, would be engaging and improving the uh, outreach. Is that correct? Yes, and, and I appreciate what you're saying about um, uh, the, the direct link with the supervisorial, with each district, because um, the, I, as a resident and as a business owner, that's my point of contact. Right. And so uh, if there isn't strong communication with the uh, supervisor's offices, um, there's, a, there's a real um, uh, broken link because the, the supervisors know who's, who the loudest voices are and what their points of view are. They also know the people who are quietly working in the background um, and are, um, are, are doing good work but maybe aren't as uh, vocal about it. So um, that is a, I mean, hearing that is your experience as a supervisor, um, I think that that's a, a, uh, an area to pay uh, strong attention to. And, and you're right that that is my, um, what I'm passionate about. I think I told you that, you know, running my business, one of the things that I learned is that um, employees and customers and vendors and everybody, they just want things to work. And um, that there's a lot of practical considerations that need to be taken into account. Um, and, and they appreciate the, the leadership um, when it is present that um, makes um, decisions that can be explained well, that people understand, and, um, and, if, you know, and if you don't get everything you want, you at least know that you were heard and you got some of what you want. And that's, um, that's, a, that's a really important piece and that's something that I would bring to the board. One of the things that I have noticed over the last seven years about the MTA is it's, it's very top-heavy. It's very managerial-heavy mm -hmm. in terms of the amount of positions. I mean, if I ask a question on a particular issue and I say I want to meet and discuss this, ten people will show up. Mm. And so I had to then pull back and say I'm only going to interface with the director and the director of um, parking and traffic livable streets. Right. Um, because it became, it's just too much overwhelming. Um, I, I do want to say I think Joel Ramos does a good job of trying to communicate and interface with our departments, but what I'm talking about in terms of community outreach and interface with merchants and those on the ground, one of the biggest um, frustrations for many people is that the way the charter is set up, as you know, um, the mayor completely appoints all of the commissioners and all of the decisions are void from this body, but yet we, members of the board, receive a significant number of requests and concerns about the MTA. Sure, yeah. um, and are constantly having to interface with that department. So anything that you can do to prioritize uh, communication um, is extremely important and the way in which the operations 
Um, I do want to also say I, I have appreciated Director Julie Kirschbaum. I think she has proactively gone out of her way to engage on issues and try to anticipate concerns that might come as some of the larger decisions that they've made. Um, so I, I would just end with, uh, I think it's important to have someone with your perspective that has run a uh, business that has interfaced with both potentially the good and the bad from this agency. I did ask you, and I'll just end with this, why, why you would want to be a commissioner for this commission. I think you're going to make a lot of enemies and disappoint a lot of people. And unfortunately, it probably will be the only commission that you ever serve on in the city because I don't think anyone ever serves on the MTA and then goes on to serve in any other commission or capacity very, very infrequently. Right. So just going with that eyes wide open, not trying to be a downer, I'm just trying to be um, very realistic about the endeavor you're about to take on. All right, thank you. And you can say that about any, any role in the city where uh, you have to make difficult decisions. That's just, that was funny. But, but, but this is one of the ones that people, you know, you go and serve on the PUC commission. No, I understand. Oversight, I understand. Just but MTA, it's like you're, you've made a lot of people upset. Well, it's, it impacts everyone, you know. If your bus is late, your day is ruined. I mean, it's, it's, there's a pothole in, in the street in front of your house. Um, you hate the speed humps. Whatever it is, it's, um, everybody's got a lot of passionate opinions. And um, just to respond very briefly, I, you know, I know the dinner parties would change and the... <laughs> Sure. And the interactions would would change, and and I you know, and I just I would like to believe that there are a lot of people who've interacted with me over the years who um, appreciate that I'm a person of integrity, and um, and that I um, you know do do my best, and and I'm very transparent in um, my communications, possibly too transparent sometimes, but. I um, I really want to do well by the the city and by the by the people and and um, I think it's unfortunate if people that think that the um, board the directors are you know some kind of elevated group we are San Franciscans and and I think that that um, very basic uh, understanding is is a really important part of it and I'm I'm eager to serve and I'm I'm not dissuaded by. By, uh, by your cautions. I, I appreciate <laughs> it, though. I will keep my eyes open. Good answer. Hey, thank you. And I just have one uh, additional question that we didn't get to talk about when we spoke on the phone because um, we were cut off. But um, I want to talk about Vision Zero for a yes. moment. Um, we, you know, we did better last year um, than the year before, which was one of the deadliest years we've ever had for traffic fatalities in San Francisco. Um, but it continues to be a major challenge for us. And I just would love to hear any thoughts you have on Vision Zero and the importance it would hold for you, et cetera. Right. And um, uh, so thank you for that question. As I recall, we got cut off in the middle of my answering it, so I appreciate having another, another chance. And um, uh, as, uh, as we mentioned before, I, I get around on um, my bike uh, primarily, and um, 
you know, I get stern talkings to about, um, you know, it's great to wear a helmet and your, and your bright, you know, safety vest and all these things, but, you know, a neck injury and it's, your, your life is forever altered. And um, so, um, and when I'm, when I'm a driver, uh, the, the thought of causing injury to someone else is, is haunting and um, frankly terrifying. That's one of the reasons that I, uh, I do cycle is that the, it just reduces the risk that I could ever hurt somebody that badly or even cause a death. It, it's heartbreaking um, what happens and it's my understanding that San Francisco for our level of population has a, a higher incidence of these issues, and the, and I really appreciate that um, that we made the commitment to to work on it as a city. And I've had the opportunity, as part of this process, to meet with a number of the um, you know nonprofit organizations that are working so very hard on this issue. Um, uh, to Supervisor Safai's point, uh, there are many. Uh, many infrastructure changes uh, related to uh, trying to further the Vision Zero um, mission that are, uh, you know, deeply unpopular. I mentioned the speed humps, um, I, uh, the, the bulb outs at intersections, the, um, the prohibition on um, right turns on red that are, are coming in uh, slowly, slowly. Um, and, uh, and recently the state um, law uh, requiring the daylighting of intersections. All of those have uh, fans and, uh, and detractors, and, um, but I believe firmly that safety has to be the number one priority. And if um, it's a little harder to find a parking spot or it's, um, uh, you, it takes, five minutes longer to get where you're going, that's um, a small price to pay for any one person's life being forever altered. And um, that is, that's just how I, I feel about that. That's not a merchant um, point of view. That's a, just a, a human point of view. And I, and I can't stress enough the importance of that. Um, I... Uh, I guess uh, that's, that's all I really want to say about that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for um, being willing to serve in this role. Mr. Clerk, can we now open this item up for public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item should line up to speak at this time. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes. There will be a soft chime when you have 30 seconds left and a louder chime when your time has expired. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Paul Terry. I'm a small business advisor in San Francisco and have lived in Glen Park for about 35 or 40 years. Um, when Janet and her husband took over the ownership of Canyon Market, she was immediately involved in working in the community that we were cleaning up the community. We were dealing with off-ramps and on-ramps and dealing with San Jose. So, um, and as I spent more time in the community and got to know her more, um, she recruited me onto the board of Glen Park Merchants Association, which is very influential, or she was to influence me to do that. Um, and I worked with her over a year while we were on the board, and I think 
what I wanted to say about Janet is that um, I know a lot about small businesses because I work with them all the time and having a business of a certain size it allows you to step back and see sort of a larger perspective of the impact that you have on the community and when they her and her husband are working with 50 60 75 employees a lot of those issues really impact both the business and the community so she didn't just stick with the small vision of the business but looked at the community at large not only being involved in um, the boards that she's sat on but also how the impact of being a business of a certain size impact on uh, travel or community or the population that they serve so as a business owner you have to look at the clients you serve and the employees that you maintain and I think that she brings that broad perspective of being sort of being able to handle things in sort of three or four balls in the air at a time so for those reasons and many more I support um, Janet's um, approval on this board thank you Hello, I'm Flo Kelly and I live in District 9 and I work with the Coalition on um, Stop Poverty Toes. And I, I'm really um, thankful to the questions that the Rules Committee members have been asking of Janet Tarlov because I'll admit I knew nothing about her, but because of your questions, I learned a lot. And I'm, I'm very happy <clears throat> I'm very happy by what I heard. Uh, um, I appreciate her openness and her empathy towards people that um, have such tight budgets that any huge thing, like having to pay a ticket, having to pay registration even, or things that they can't possibly predict, you know, like, yeah. Uh, all kinds of expenses that come up, whether it be um, uh, medical expenses or what have you, things that you just cannot predict. And it throws everybody for a loop and might uh, mean that they end up living in their vehicle. And I appreciate that um, Janet Tarlov um, sounds very empathetic towards that situation and um, is very happy to learn more and has an open mind and asks questions. So, uh, and I, I like her statement that towing a vehicle is drastic. I really appreciate that. So, um, I think this is a, 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 Janet Tarloff would be a good person on <laughs> the board of directors of the MTA. Thank you. Great. Good morning, Chair Ronan and Supervisors Walton and Safai. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak to the committee today on behalf of Janet Tarlov. My name is Seth Brenzel, and I'm a 28-year resident of San Francisco, 24 of those years in District 9. I have known Janet for 10 years, first through a common connection at our kids' school, and more recently in the Glen Park neighborhood where I work. I'm a frequent shopper at Canyon Market, the grocery and neighborhood hub that Janet and her husband Richard started, and that is now part of Gus's. I'm so thrilled that Janet has been appointed to the SFMTA board. She has done so much good work with the Glen Park Merchants Association, building up the membership, organizing various shops, businesses, and services in the area, and helping steward the organization through and out of the COVID pandemic. 
She's a trusted partner and cares deeply about the needs of her fellow business leaders and neighborhood residents. Her work through the Council of District Merchants Associations has given her a citywide perspective of the issues facing businesses in San Francisco. And her voice on the SFMTA board will be an important one as the city navigates transit opportunities and challenges in the years to come. Janet is devoted through service to San Francisco, its residents, and its future. She has demonstrated a willingness to serve her community in multiple capacities, and she works collaboratively with many different constituencies to seek solutions. One example, we recently had a rat problem in Glen Park, and Janet worked with a wide variety of city departments, neighbors, business owners, and other constituents to work towards solutions. She is always organized and prepared. Finally, I believe Janet will serve San Francisco supremely well as an SFMTA board member. She listens, she is curious, she is principled, and she will approach the issues and concerns that come before the board with equanimity and forbearance. I enthusiastically endorse Janet for this appointment, and I hope you will advance her nomination to the full board for a vote. Thank you so much. Hello, Supervisors. Uh, Sharky Laguane uh, here to speak on behalf of Janet Turlov. I uh, met Janet shortly after joining the Small Business Commission in 2019. I went, uh, Canyon Market is my local market. I, I live in Sunnyside. I, I went down to, to uh, go introduce myself. I'm a small business owner myself. I've always been impressed with how she ran uh, that grocery. Uh, her, uh, if you walk in, the connection to both the community and the employees is self-evident. Uh, got to know her more uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, worked with her very closely. Uh, when she joined uh, CDMA, uh, she would come to the Small Business Commission meetings. She would often be the only person there, um, quietly listening, asking thoughtful questions. Uh, and I would always listen very carefully to her uh, because she so carefully thought uh, through the issues and, and, and was a really uh, thoughtful partner in trying to advance the city's interests. My, what you experienced just now talking to Janet is, is the Janet that, that I've come to know. Uh, she's thoughtful, she's kind, she's empathetic, she's honest, and she's diplomatic. I will support with all my soul anybody that wants to volunteer for the city with, with those characteristics. Uh, we need so much more of that, and I urge you to forward her to the full board. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, supervisors. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to, to listen to all of us. Um, my name is Sam McGannum, and um, the founder and, and one of the owners of the Byright Family of Businesses here in San Francisco. And um, I've known Janet for well over 20 years. I've known her both personally um, and professionally um, as a fellow business owner and as a fellow parent and, and fellow citizen of San Francisco. Um, you know, Janet has um, one of the highest levels of integrity of any person that I know. And um, her empathy, her care, her genuine concern for San Francisco is at the highest level. And she talked um, a little bit about the challenge of, of um, being a business owner and, and managing the needs of every stakeholder um, that um, 
all of us as business owners are trying to juggle. We've got our staff who we need to care for. We have our suppliers who are trying to make deliveries to us um, and sell their food um, and whose livelihoods are um, dependent upon our, our ability to do commerce. We have um, um, uh, this general neighborhood in the community that um, we also have to have to serve and, and Janet's perspective has always been one of, of compassion and care for every single one of those stakeholders and um, she cares about her micro community within Glen Park but she has a the perspective to care about the larger um, uh, geographic region of San Francisco um, I couldn't think of anyone better um, to serve on the board and and I um, encourage you to um, uh, vote her through. So thank you so much. Are there any other speakers for this matter? There are no additional speakers. Public comment is now closed. Any last comments, colleagues? Nope. Um, well, thank you for coming out and giving testimony, and thank, for, thank you for your thoughtful response, Ms. Tarlow. And I would like to make a motion to remove the word reject, I think. Yes. Um, and uh, send uh, the motion as a committee report to the full board with positive recommendation. Uh, yes, the motion is to amend, a, amend the motion to delete rejecting throughout the legislation and to recommend it as amended as a committee report. Vice Chair Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. The motion passes without objection. Motion passes unanimously. Congratulations. And Mr. Clerk, do we have any other items on the agenda today? There are no additional items on today's agenda. The meeting is adjourned. TV. San Francisco Government Television.